0: Coming up on the Shelley Irwin Show podcast today, we preview a rare disease day event at Kelvin University on the 24th. Muskegon Community College brings in author Carl Wilkins to present the topic of restorative justice this February 15th. AAA has a new report about the danger posed to our highway roadside workers. An exciting new storefront and workshop space opens up in the downtown Belknap area. We get the details about that. And we look at what people were Googling during the Super Bowl.
1: Do you know of a Rare Disease Day? It exists this year, February 29th, and there is an event on February 24th. Calvin University has been bringing awareness to these rare diseases for some time since 2018, and of course, this year, no difference. Let's speak to the experts about the event, and of course, the Rare Disease Network. Talking to you, Dr. Amy Wilsterman, good morning to you. Good morning. And appreciate you as well, Dr. Rachel Baker. Good morning. Appreciate both of you. All right, uh, I'm gonna get right into our conversation. Uh, how much of Rare Disease Day uh, do we know, Dr. Wilsterman?
2: Well, Rare Disease Day is actually an event that's celebrated worldwide. And the goal of the day is to raise awareness about rare diseases and really to recognize the, the people that are affected by rare, the courageous and resilient people that are affected by a rare disease. And the goal of the day is to advocate for advancements in diagnosis, in treatment, and also support alongside all of
1: those that are part of the rare community. Mm-hmm. Dr. Rachel Baker, what is a rare disease?
3: Uh, a rare disease is a disease that fa- affects less than or has been diagnosed by less, in less than 1 in 200,000 people. Um, so it is, as you expect, very rare. However, there are more than 7,000 different rare diseases. So when you do the math on that, almost 1 in 10 people has some sort of rare disease.
1: Yes, of course. Of course, both of you are uh, in the role of professors as well with uh, Calvin University, with bio, biology, biochemistry, and more. Uh, can you expand on that, there, Dr. Wilsterman, uh, regarding uh, what a rare disease is? Sure.
2: Yeah, so rare diseases, as Rachel mentioned, are things that affect just a few people in the world. And often, they are caused by a mutation in a single gene. And so that allows for lots of interesting research to be happening in that space as it pertains to both diagnosis and then also thinking about new treatment strategies. And these are some of the things we're actually going to be talking about at our Rare Disease Day event. Yes.
1: So uh, there is a Rare Disease Network. Uh, Tell me how this works.
3: Yeah, so the Rare Disease Network is a collaboration between Calvin University Michigan um, Michigan State University College of um, Health, uh, Helen DeVos Children's Hospital at Corwell Health, and some community partners who have rare diseases. And we've come together to bring together our different expertise and perspective um, to support and educate and connect communities that are, in, that are impacted by rare disease. Yes. And what's really unique about our organization mm-hmm. is that instead of focusing on particular rare diseases, we focus on common experience and needs across the rare disease community so we can bring together all the people in the Grand Rapids and Michigan area that are affected by rare disease.
1: And uh, does this topic come up in your classes?
3: It does, yes. I teach genetics this semester
2: and really enjoy having the opportunity to talk with current students that are planning to go into the health professions or go into research in their future careers and help raise awareness among that population of how to care well and think carefully about those in our community that are affected by rare.
1: Nice, let's get into your Rare Disease Network event, which is Saturday, February 24th. What's a, what's it all about?
2: So the event, as you mentioned, Saturday, February 24th, it begins at 9 a.m. and it will go until four in the afternoon. Uh, it's gonna be held at the Prince Conference Center at Calvin University. Yep. And during the day, we are going to have uh, two keynote speakers, and there's also seven breakout sessions. Several of those sessions will be led by medical professionals or research scientists, so they'll be talking about things uh, like advancements in genetic testing and coping with the stress of rare. Uh, there's also going to be sessions led by patients, uh, family members, and other advocates Uh, So they'll be talking about things like supporting siblings of a rare disease patient, navigating insurance and finances, and then also living
1: as an adult with rare. Mm, Nice. Expand on that shit. Rachel? Anything else? Uh, Yeah.
3: Yeah. So um, I wanted to highlight that we'll also have a bunch of support organizations and community partners who work Mm. with rare diseases there. They'll have tables so you can go around and get more information and connect Mm. with others in the rare community. And thanks to funding by all the organizations that are part of Rare Disease Network, this event is free for anyone who wants to come and mm-hmm. learn more. And it does include lunch.
2: Free. No. <laughs> they they say that.
3: nothing's
1: free, but maybe uh, you know, <laughs> spend my gas to get there. Uh, and obviously, network, uh, oftentimes, uh, it's good to meet others in the same journey, as, as they say. One of your uh, sessions is coping with the stress of rare. Can one of you expand on that?
2: Sure. With Rare with rare disease, uh, with a rare condition, there are a lot of factors. So there are financial stresses, there are emotional stresses. Um, if it, if it's a child, there are educational uh, stresses, and so we have some individuals that have expertise in this space, including some mental health professionals that will be talking with community members about how to how to cope with all of those stresses that might be. Sur- be surrounding a, um, dealing with a rare condition.
1: I know at 10 o'clock from bedside to break through how rare disease and genetic testing have changed over the years, obviously important to know. Are um, uh, medical uh, specialists learning of rare disease, especially when it comes to perhaps early diagnosis?
2: Yes, definitely. Yeah, with the advancements in genetic testing, there's lots of new opportunities for identifying new rare diseases. There are some new ones that have actually been discovered by um, the folks at Helen DeVos Children's Hospital. Um, Some of the people that are going to be speaking will be talking about some of their discoveries.
3: What else? One the, yeah. Go ahead, One Rachel. of the things that we care about too is not just helping medical professionals know how to treat rare diseases, but understanding how they can better interact with patients who have rare diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, we have sessions or breakout sessions talking about the kinds of questions they can ask patients to make sure that they feel seen and heard and understood as they're navigating a complex medical journey.
1: And uh, worldwide, an estimated 300 million people are living with a rare disease. True fact yes that's true yes. yes and of course happening right here in west michigan of course rare disease day It's february 29th oh it's leap year
2: it is yeah. yes. Yes. yes yes and that's why uh, uh, rare disease is officially is officially recognized on the very last day in february every year yes.
1: thank mm-hmm. you for that
3: dr rachel baker what do you end us with Well, if you are interested in signing up, we'd love to have you come to our event, learn more about the rare disease community and how you can support them. You can go to rarediseasenetwork.net to find out more information and register. Yes, your final word,
1: Dr. Amy Wilsterman.
2: Yeah, so a lot of times we get asked who should come to this event. Yep. So anybody that's interested in RARE, we really want to bring together the, the full community so they can learn from one another and support one another. So that's patients, care providers, uh, medical professionals, students, uh, research scientists, anybody interested in RARE or working in that space.
1: Yes. Details one more time for Saturday, February 24th, please.
2: Yes, yeah, Saturday uh, 24th at 9 o'clock a.m. is our start time. And you can register for the event at rarediseasenetwork.net. Great.
1: Prince Conference Center. Beautiful uh, building on your camp, Calvin University campus. Ladies, thank you for your uh, your knowledge and your guidance for this uh, important topic of Rare Disease Day and your event.
2: All right. Thank you. Thank you thank for having you. us. <music>
1: He's back. He's presenting Restorative Pathways, thanks to MCC, offering a variety of events for Black History Month. Thursday, February 15th, Restorative Pathways, lessons from Rwanda, Sturis Technology Center, your place to be. We'll give you all the information, but I want to give you Carl Wilkins. Carl, good morning.
4: Good morning, how are you?
1: Doing fine, glad that you are back. You have presented uh, several years ago on the Rwanda Rwanda genocide and now you're going to present on Restorative Pathways thanks to this great uh, Celebrate Black History Month uh, series by MCC, tell me a bit about you.
4: Um, Man, I've been traveling around for the last 20 (laughs) years telling stories about Rwanda. And uh, currently I'm in Nebraska at different schools, just um, an incredible opportunity to speak with teachers and students about a a new way of looking at rebuilding relationships, rebuilding connections.
1: Yes. Well, glad that you land in uh, Michigan, of course, on the 15th, where you will present that evening. What will you share? Your tagline is Lessons from Rwanda.
4: Yeah, Rwanda was our home for 6 years from 1990 to 96. And we, my wife and I, made the decision when the genocide against the Tutsi started in April 1994 that I would stay and try to help a couple people in our house, help them stay alive, you know, the Rwandans were so kind to foreigners and we're just like could we use that privilege you know to help these people and it'll end up being something none of us ever imagined you know more than a million people killed in 3 months and nor did i imagine that you know 30 years later be able to travel around the schools with an incredible message of healing and reconciliation that has been playing out in rwanda it's it's it really stands out it's quite unique in in history
1: you, an author renowned for your extraordinary journey, as, as you're mentioning during this genocide, Where, did you make history as the only American who chose to remain uh, in? Uh, is it Kigali? Yes,
4: yeah, in Kigali, the yeah. capital. There was a Catholic sister somewhere out in the in the rural areas, under the radar, and she and I are the only two Americans that remained in the country during that during that horrific time.
1: What will you present come Thursday night?
4: Um, we'll talk a little bit definitely about nineteen ninety-four and, and you know, how we can honor all of the people who were lost. And I think, you know, it's kind of crazy in this journey that I've been on, I didn't realize how much anger I had during mm-hmm. this time. I, I ran across the leader of a killing squad twenty one years later in prison is when I really started to confront that anger. And I realized, I think I'm I think I'm 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 thinking that I'm honoring the people who were killed by staying angry at the people who did it and so we'll we'll unpack this some of these what I'd call subconscious beliefs that are that are not correct and figure out how can we really honor the people who were killed it's breaking this cycle of violence it's it's learning to look and respond to violence in a different way it's it's so natural to respond in a punitive way but to actually think that there's another way to respond um where you actually believe people can heal and we'll talk about neuroplasticity mm-hmm. you can probably hear it in my voice i could go on and on <laughs>
1: yes your passion evident tell us uh, how you would like our conversations to center after we've um we've we witnessed your presentation what are our action items here in west michigan
4: well it really does begin with you know looking inside ourselves and um, really examining whether it's in, you know, my relationship with a significant person in my life or my family and stuff. Do I focus on the, the negative or do I actually, and I mean, that's natural. The negative bias in the brain, understandable, good reasons is there, but do I actually take the effort to look for the good? And that, that process of looking for the good helps get me out of the trap of what I call one thing thinking. It's so easy when we see somebody that we've had trouble with to just keep firing those same neural Mm -hmm. pathways, but to actually think, wait a minute, I'm going to try to look for the good and looking for the good for somebody who's harmed us is not diminishing the harm or their accountability. That was another uh, kind of ridiculous subconscious belief I had. So I I hope we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll just be examining, you know, how we do respond to harm or, you know, we'll talk about the downstairs brain and the upstairs brain and we'll catch ourselves trapped at times there in the amygdala and realize there's a pathway out of this and these are these are opportunities. Curiosity instead of judgment, connection instead of exclusion. Those are some of the themes we'll be we'll be digging into.
1: Oh wow, thank you for that. Again brought to us by the Center for Holocaust and Genocide Studies, Muskegon, uh, which is housed at Muskegon Community College, hosting you, Carl Wilkins. How do we find out more about you?
4: Um, World Outside My Shoes, a little cumbersome, but mm. but if you check out World Outside My Shoes or you just search Carl Wilkins Rwanda, you'll find our website. And one of the favorite tabs for me is the resources on the website. So I hope we can and, – and there's ways to connect with us there too. Um, I'd love to love to connect with anyone who wants to have these conversations.
1: Yes, yes, we should. Event taking place, of course, Thursday, February eighteenth. That's six thirty to eight at MCC's Sturris Technology Center in downtown Muskegon. Of course, muskegoncc.edu. Edu. Carl Wilkins, thank you for this conversation.
4: Hey, thank you. Looking forward to the time there.
1: Highway Heroes at Risk. It's a recent study, AAA, examining the characteristics of fatal roadside worker crashes. And yes, we must talk about this. And yes, these do happen. Let's talk about the likely factors for many roadside crashes. And bottom line, let's get it prevented. We talk to you frequently, Adrian Woodland, spokesperson with AAA, the Auto Club Group. Good morning, Adrian. Adrian. Good morning. A a tough conversation uh, to to present, uh, yet perhaps uh, uh, preventing may be our key uh, takeaway. Tell us about uh, this recent study of those who are struck and killed while working.
0: Yeah, so AAA's uh, Foundation for Traffic Safety examined the conditions of crashes in which roadside assistance providers were struck and killed by vehicles And, you know, we found, one of the things we found is that these collisions are not always the result of poor visibility. More often than not, speed, driver distractions, and or impairment are a factor.
1: And we're talking um, tow truck drivers, mobile mechanics, emergency roadside technicians, and safety service patrols who literally put themselves at risk every day to help us. Yes, exactly.
0: And some of the key findings were we found that speed limits were a factor, about 89% of the crashes occurred at locations with speed limits of 55 miles an hour or higher, and almost all of the crashes were on interstates or other limited access highways. And we also found that 84% of crashes occurred in good weather without precipitation or slippery road conditions.
1: So good weather uh, without precipitation, as you mentioned, uh, which we would think most likely the other. What did you find, Adrian, when it comes to time of day? So with time of day, we found that about 63% occurred
0: during darkness of which nearly two thirds of those were at locations without street lighting, but still 34% of the crashes were in daylight
1: hours. And you mentioned driver distraction, maybe throw in impairment fatigue here.
0: Yeah, 63% of crashes occurred um, in which the striking vehicle had already left the road and was traveling on the shoulder or beyond before the impact and this suggests the involvement of factors such as impairment, fatigue, or distraction. More than one-third of striking drivers who were tested for alcohol were alcohol
1: positive, but Mm. nearly half were never tested. Yes. Uh, Do you do these studies annually, uh, or is this a long-term study presenting the uh, the results today?
0: Um, So this was a uh, study that we did, the foundation researchers combed through a diverse set of information sources um, and determined that about 103 roadside assistance providers were killed by passing vehicles between 2015 and 2021. And this figure is well above the 34 that were noted in national crash data.
1: And remind me, are these Michigan figures? These are nationwide figures. Yes. Do we measure Michigan or do we start with nationwide and then go from there? We start with nationwide and then kind of go from there. Yes, thank you for that, Adrian Woodland, again, uh, AAA in Michigan, our, our conversation when it comes to our highway, highway heroes that are at risk, this examination of characteristics, fatal roadside worker crashers, and of course, so uh, we've been hearing of lately, uh, uh, our uh, men and women in blue uh, also uh, affected, I'm sure. Tell me your next steps. What are you urging action on? Let's talk prevention.
0: So we're urging action on um, several fronts. One is slow down move over. Mostly all of the states in the country have some type of slow down move over laws. We want to reinforce these life saving laws, reminding drivers to give space to anyone, including but not limited to roadside assistance providers, police, fire, EMS, working on the side of the road. Every ounce of awareness could be the difference between life and death in these situations. Uh, we also want to show the vulnerable. We want to utilize countermeasures to prevent vehicles from striking workers. Uh, Our foundation previously examined vehicle mounted electronic variable message signs and found them effective at alerting drivers to slow down and move over.
1: Yes, thank you for that. Uh, And it may surprise those, um, you know, when we think of AAA, I I think of, you know, goodness gracious, I'm going to call you if if I've got that flat tire, but did not realize there are foundations and other ways that uh, you help us out with knowledge.
0: Yes, definitely. You know, our Traffic Safety Foundation uh, studies a myriad of ways that we can work to keep our roads safe.
1: Great. More information, how can we find out details on the study?
0: You can find more information at
1: AAA.com. Easy is that. I know we'll talk again, especially when it comes to where are the gas prices this month. Thank you very much, Adrian Woodland, spokesperson, AAA. Take care. Thanks, Shelley. Let's talk about a very exciting new storefront and workshop space in the downtown Belknap area, neighborhood of Grand Rapids, northeast side of College Avenue, and of course, the proprietor in the house, Aubrey Winfield. She's a founder, she's a forager, she's a maker, and it's all about gathered botanicals and more. Not bad to be a founder, forager, and maker, Aubrey.
5: <laughs> Wearing many hats over here. That, that's
1: good. good. Uh, probably uh, uh, why you are successful. All right, take me back to uh, when you first knew you would, would be a um, A forager.
5: A forager. Well, beginning foraging, I believe, is always with childhood passions of diving into the woods and collecting things and drying them. Um, so I've always had interest in that. Um, never quite knew at that point, of course, it would manifest through skincare. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, the nature has its course for sure. And uh, how do you define yourself as a maker?
5: As a maker. Well, working with my hands and creating something for the public as well as family and friends, of course. Um, so that is an important aspect of it.
1: And of course, a founder. Let's talk about Gathered Botan- Botanicals, what you've been doing, what you are doing, and what you are looking forward to doing. Take me back.
5: Yeah. So Gathered Botanicals has been around. We're coming up on seven years of producing the skincare. care. Um, so I... my personal background is actually in the culinary world um and had spent about 16 years managing kitchens and as well as um Managing and operating recreational cooking schools when I was spending time out in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, So then I began taking, kind of translating those culinary skills into topical. (laughs) Um, So it began there, and it just really grew. The passion just continued to grow to create healthy things for our skin as well, of course, the importance of what we're putting into our bodies. Um, And then when I relocated back home, which is his home for me, um, it just kind of took a whole new life of incorporating the wild and seasonal plants that are around us, um, connecting with so many beautiful local farmers that are creating these plants and being able to utilize them within their season of growth um, so I you know, first spent a couple years just doing markets, continuing online, Um, and then the opportunity for the storefront came about, um, and then really being able to pull in that education side and
1: being an event space as well. Yes, and... uh from day one, you've been Gathered Botanicals as a name?
5: Um, it's No, it was shifted before. At first, yeah, it did have a different name. Um, when we relocated back home here, I switched to being Gathered Botanicals um, because it was something I could actually now gather these myself um, mm-hmm. opposed to having to only order from farmers.
1: <laughs> so here we are. Uh, what is considered a botanical before i get into the de- details
5: oh yeah so plant-based um so flowers herbs um, roots so utilizing those medicinal and therapeutic plant properties
1: and you take it one step further with a, a storefront that is now open let's uh, talk about this where specifically are you
5: So the address is 781 College Avenue, Northeast. Um, So pretty conveniently located uh, right off the freeway exit, just down about a mile off College Avenue. So easy access point. The building has been around for a few years. It's called Community Tea Community Wellness. Um, And it is a building with uh, wellness practitioners. There's a little yoga studio upstairs. And so then when the space you know, was brought to my attention, it just seemed like such a beautiful fit, um, to be able to have this wellness offering inside of this wellness building, um, just seemed like a really nice, I I keep saying, I feel like a little piece of a puzzle.
1: (laughs) Because as you alluded to, there are eight individual women businesses inside the building.
5: Correct. Yep. Um, So yeah, pretty, pretty special place. So people can walk in through the shop. Um, We can kind of talk, you know, plant medicine, sip on some teas and elixirs and tonics, and then go in for a massage. Or I get a lot of people that come downstairs from their yoga class and then be able to talk health and wellness continuously.
1: So obviously you're selling your wares. Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. But you're now also offering classes. Let's uh, dig into this.
5: Yeah. So, you know, throughout my time being back here, just met so many wonderful herbalists, makers, um, different founders, and I just love this idea of if I was going to have a stationary place to put down some roots that I really wanted it to be a collaborative space with um, inviting in all these wonderful artists and makers, and so with very important and intriguing viewpoints, (laughs) so.
1: Yes, yes. Are these held then, are they considered workshops or classes? What terminology are we using here?
5: I am using them a little bit interchangeably, um, depending on how you define them. Classes tend, I mean, typically are a little bit more one-off ones where workshops are thought of as well as being more like continuous. Um, So it, it is a little bit interchangeably as far as that goes.
1: And specifically, when are they?
5: So I do them Friday evenings. Um, Friday evenings, they'll begin at 6 o'clock. And then for Saturdays, have Saturday morning as well as Saturday afternoon. And
1: these are actual artists, artisans, herbalists coming to share their talents and passions with the community through your space.
5: Yep. 100%. So whether you're looking for something a little bit more herbal intensive, education, lecture based, you want to learn about how do these plants um, engage with our bodies internally and topically. There's ones that are a little bit more lecture based um, and as well as just a little bit more lighthearted ones where you can come out with a group of friends. Let's say for this weekend we have learning how to dye beautiful silk scarves with plants and how to decorate um, that. So and jewelry making and artists. So watercolors, line drawings. Um, everything is, is centered, does have a nature-themed. So if you're making jewelry, it's going to be in a flower shape. So um, different ones like yes. that.
1: Um, yeah. Your schedule is, is very uh, uh, well-developed, uh, and, of course, uh, the time is easy, the, uh, a nominal fee, of course. Uh, do I take, get to take home my candle when I make it this Friday night?
5: Right. So every, most of the classes are what I'm calling a make-and-take Particularly with the candle ones, they do need time to rest, so you can come in the next day back to the shop um, and pick it up. But most of them all are, yes, either if it's you're coming in and you're learning about winter wellness and you're going to be making, as a group, um, elderberry syrups or fire ciders, and then you will be taking your creations home. Yes. Let's,
1: let's jump to not this Friday night, but next Friday night, facial taping and is it Gua Sha (laughs) pajama party?
5: Yes, yes. Um, That one is going to be so fun. That is one of my beloved local estheticians. She does all holistic skincare and um, she is just a riot. And she came up with this idea of let's all come in if you care to silk pajamas and we learn about how to transform your nighttime routine into oh I have to wash my face and I have to do that too let's how to make it enjoyable let's educate kind of take it next level so we'll be like sipping on some teas and some tinctures and um, learning about how to boost circulation working with facial tape as well and so if you want to you're welcome to come in your fun pajamas and leave with your face taped up or you can also just take the face tape home and Do it in your own comfort.
1: Tell that to the officer that pulls you over. (laughs) Ma'am, are your uh, workshops and classes um, geared toward women? Um, Yes,
5: I I would say a little bit more so, but we do have a variety. Men, of course, are welcome. Um, You know, I feel like. Um, more in the specific ones of like herbal first aid kits that we have coming up or a little bit more like lecture-based ones. Of course, men are welcome to come in for gua sha and facial taping. Um, we have had some mom and daughter du- duos coming in, which have been really fun as well. Um, some of the programming are a little bit more um, school-aged friendly than others, um, but you know, as long as the adult is participating and paying as well, of course, we do welcome in in, um school-age children as well, if it's appropriate.
1: You're uh, you're quite well booked uh, with uh, opportunities from now until I'm scrolling, scrolling. I, <laughs> I mean, end of end of March. Pretty cool. Yep.
5: Yeah, and working on behind the scenes to continue to build um, April and May as well. But we do have a beautiful lineup of local people to come and learn from and experience from.
1: Gathered Botanicals is her home away from home involved with, of course, uh, wares for you to take home plus the weekly workshops and public class offerings. Aubrey Winfield with us. If one is interested in partnering with you, I trust that's an opportunity. Say, uh, you know, um, one would have a talent to share.
5: Yes, of course. Um, I'm always looking for other people to collaborate with. You can reach out to me via via my social media or of course email as well.
1: Still have some time with you. What's this uh, mid-March? A garden dream with Stillwind Farm. Are there some field trips here?
5: That's not field trip. It okay. is going to be. Um, I know there's some that have some beautiful farms and oh. things to offer. Um, but that is another a local farmer that she's going to be coming in and helping people to talk through their garden visions. Um, you know, a lot of people. You know, we're seeing all these glamorous wonderful homestead lives but then just not really sure how to start or you know when you're working with the land considering how do I work with this land that I have is it shaded is it more sunny Um, so it's a time and a space to be able to dream with Michaela there um, who is very well seasoned in this to um, teach you how to work with the land that you do have yes
1: and there is such thing as nature journaling
5: Yes um so nature journaling um is a form of a daily practice of drawing and incorporating what you see outdoors um, and bringing that indoors a, a form of meditation and just unwinding um, incorporating that with different quotes that you feel inspired as you're looking at leaves and flowers so we'll be having a wide variety of plants and things to be inspired with and different medians to paint with and draw um, and you'll have your own sketchbook and um, a special pen to go home with and just just have some accountability and build some like-minded people around you for that
1: What's a must item to uh, to take home to purchase from your, oh. your gathered? I'll give you one plug there.
5: <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yes, well, of course, my skincare. care. Um, I would say my cult followings will be the Enrich Facial Oil Serum, which is going to be a leave-on serum there. Um, and then my Lip Tint is also one of my popular ones. The thing that makes that one so special is that it gets its color just from dried roots and berries, so there's no artificial pigment that you would be consuming. Everything is infused with wild and local plants um, extracted with organic oils, so just very healthy things because what we put on our skin, of course, is um, coming into our body as well.
1: Do you work with a, 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 a group that actually makes, I mean, we've got your soothed body, but I mean, where is this being manufactured?
5: Yeah. So I produce them myself. So uh, yeah, I produce them there in the shop. So that's also another fun aspect to this is that you can also come in um, during the week and I'm going to be making this stuff as well. Um, I even do very traditional distillations where I gather the wild plants or what the plants that I'm working with from farmers and I'm doing the distillation to get my own essential oils and hydrosol blends. So it is all very hyper local small batch produced by myself. Great.
1: Let's add producer to founder, <laughs> forager, and maker. Aubrey Winfield. Uh, how do we find out more information? And obviously, take a look at the at the Soothe Body Butter and all your classes and workshops.
5: Yeah, so if you want to check out my website, shopgatheredbotanicals.com, that is going to be an easy way um, to be able to check out every some fitch- pictures of the store, as well as um, the offerings that I have. And then, of course, visiting me in the shop. I'm open Wednesday through Saturdays, um, so being able to come on in and experience the, pl- um, the plants that we work with, as well as the products, is really going to be a nice way as well. Great.
1: Thanks for bringing your business to the northeast side of College Avenue. Take care to you, Aubrey Winfield. Again, Gathered Botanical. Botanicals doing great things. Take care. Thank you. Smooty Sinha on the line. She's a Google Trends expert, and you bet she watched the game last night. Or better yet, maybe she was checking out what we were Googling as The game was going on. Super Bowl, of course, uh, the latest edition has come and gone, but Google Trends expert Smriti on the line to, uh, well, tell us what we did, uh, what we were looking for. Good morning to you.
6: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, welcome. Good that uh, uh, you are clear-eyed and ready to go, uh, having the inside scoop on what captured people's imaginations during the Super Bowl. And we do this uh, often on a monthly basis, but uh, why should we care about what we Googled during the Super Bowl? Smriti? (laughs)
6: <laughs> well, there were some interesting insights into people. For one, people were very curious about how old is Usher. That was one of the top searches during the halftime show.
1: That's, that's starting strong. Um, let's uh, talk to you about, first of all, uh, is it uh, a regular uh, opportunity to uh, delve into the trending on Super Bowl or just something new?
6: no it is something we do every year it is so exciting when people come together to watch the super bowl two things happen right they simultaneously whatever comes to their mind whatever's happening on the screen they go on to google they search for they search for what they're seeing and they go to youtube and they watch the clips that they missed or the ads that they missed if they miss an ad and their friends are like talking all about that ad then they go on youtube and watch rewatch that ad so we get to you know, look at all of those things and and catch uh, catch a glimpse of like what we were, what caught viewers' attention during the game and 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 there were some exciting searches last night. Like for example, during the halftime show, it was a breakout search. People were searching for adult piano lessons near me. What? That's <laughs> yes, it was. during the halftime show. People were so inspired that they were looking for adult piano lessons near me.
1: Yes, that's a good thing. And also it looks like why does Usher wear gloves was the top trender?
6: yes yes why does usher wear gloves who is usher married to people were people were very into that why does usher wear gloves was was an exciting one too
1: yeah nice let's back up uh, to the basic you even measure I mean the top trending questions on this particular Super Bowl I'll start the 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 back and forth like even how many quarters in a Super Bowl
6: yes how many quarters and then as the as the game went on and on we know it was such a long night people were into like um you know how many super bowls have gone into overtime and how many uh how ma- how long is overtime in football so you know those were things maybe you know casual fans were not as up to and up to speed with and and people were looking for that information how many points are in a touchdown. So (laughs) there, there were some exciting ones, yeah.
1: What about the top searched players during the game? Who wins here?
6: Well, 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 no surprises there, unfortunately. No surprises. It was all about the Chiefs in the first two spots, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. And then Christian McCaffrey just made it there in the top three for the
1: 49ers. I even see back to the um, uh, the halftime show. You even measured most searched lyrics. What wins here?
6: In the most searched lyrics, I think I think it has to be um,
1: "Turn Down for What" DJ Snake and Lil Jon.
6: Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Calm down for what? Yeah.
1: Nice. Let me uh, Sriti sing, of course, uh, with us talking all things. Sinha with us, Google Trends Experts. What did trend, according to Google, on last night's Super Bowl? Let me move on now to, goodness gracious, um, I've got a long list. How about food? And I'm going to zone right in on, there's a map I have. Uh, it looks like smoked wings uh, was big in Michigan, uh, also buffalo chicken dip. hmm
6: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And in uh, Texas, it was creamy jalapeno dip, and yeah, in Michigan, buffalo chicken dip, wings, smoked wings for for Michigan, and uh, we also looked at which Usher songs were were like hot in which state, oh. and Yeah was was Yeah was a song that like colored the entire map, so so that was one of the most popular ones for Usher.
1: What else uh, did we look at in general? How about the ads?
6: Oh, amazing, amazing day for ads, right? So many amazing commercials, tapping into humor, tapping into nostalgia. So the Booking.com commercial with Tina Fey and the whole 30 Rock reunion reunion was, was the number one most viewed on YouTube on, on game day. And uh, we had more than 90 million views on on the Super Bowl ad yesterday on YouTube for for all the commercials.
1: Looks like, uh, uh, of course, the the state farm ad uh, was number three down all the way down to number 10. Sketchers, anything in between uh, that we should know of?
6: The T Mobile ad, lots of celeb lots of celeb faces there. The T Mobile ad was number two. Arnold Schwarzenegger obviously with Cameo. Yeah. Uh, that was that was such a fun one, uh, on number three. Google's ad itself was actually a number five. It it was it was it was a very heartwarming cool. one. I shed a tear at the end. It was all about how people with low vision can capture photos. Um, you know, using using the AI feature would help them guide where to put the frame. It was it was a really touching one.
1: Thanks for for sharing that one. Yes, Mountain Dew and Scientology. Decide for yourself, and certainly more. Anything else you'd like to share, Smriti?
6: Yes. Well, the other thing that you know uh, piqued my interest was roller skates. Ooh. Roller skates. By searches for roller skates more than a thousand percent because you know we all saw usher skating across the stage during the halftime show right and so that was a breakout search that what roller skates versus roller blades people were really into that
1: All right. Well, uh, on to back to what you normally do. Of course, uh, uh, we're Googling and you're checking out what we're Googling every month. But always nice to see what uh, what a Super Bowl brings. What's your take home message, Smurdy?
6: Well, my take home message is that there's something in it for everyone. People come to the Super Bowl for the game, for the food, for the music, for the ads. So there's there's something in it for every kind of fan.
1: Important to know. How do we find out uh, what we've been talking about these past few minutes?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So for anyone who missed the ads, they can go to you, youtube.com slash ad blitz. And they can catch up on all the ads they missed there, uh, even after the game. And people can also go to google.com slash trends to catch up on any of the trends we've talked about.
1: Did your team win? Uh, yes. <laughs> there we go. Congratulations to you and Google's for keeping uh, Google for keeping track of what has trended in this 2024 edition. Appreciate you Smriti Sinha Google Trends expert. Take care to you. Thank you.
6: You have a good day.